Hello, Popals, and welcome back to Best Girl Grip. I'm your host, Nicole Davis, and this is the podcast that navigates the film industry through the lens of the women doing just that. Apologies for the fact that this episode is coming out one week later than planned, but anyway, we're here now, and that's what matters. My guest is the incredibly talented and prolific sound designer and mixer, Inesh Adriana. Inesh studied for an MA in sound design at NFTS and has been credited on over 40 projects since 2020, including some incredible short films like Ruth Greenberg's Run, Molly Manning Walker's Good Thanks You, Theo James Krakis's Pram Snatcher, Nia Charles's Home, as well as documentaries such as The Cathedral and Self-Portrait. Anisha's work has screened at Sundance, South by Southwest, Cannes, BFI London Film Festival and Sheffield Dockfest. She is a film London Lodestar 2022, a Bell talent alumni and a member of the BFI Network Times BAFTA crew. We talk about how she discovered a passion for sound, finding the confidence and the skills to call herself a sound designer, her fever dream experience studying at NFTS, how her career picked up momentum, and how sound design can facilitate and augment story. I always enjoy the craft-centred episodes because I'm such a rookie in that space and it's such a fun opportunity to learn about a completely different area of filmmaking, so I really appreciate Anesha's time and I hope you get something from our conversation. This is episode 121 of Best Girl Grip. So did you go to university? And if you did, what did you study there? In my case, I studied film uh, right after high school. So I studied in Lisbon. I'm originally from Lisbon. And when I was in high school, I didn't really know anything about what working in the film industry is but I was watching films every day just was my obsession at that point and it felt quite natural to choose film it was my BA so I did film BA specializing in sound by the end of it which was not planned at all initially I hated sound it was my least (laughs) it was my least uh, favorite subject when I entered film school I just then really realized the impact it could have in film. Mm -hmm. And over there, you get to a specialization through your grades. So everybody wanted to go to directing or cinematography, but I didn't have the grades. So I went to the sounds course. Mm -hmm. And then I started to do some of the short films at school, the school projects. And then that's when I, it really started. <laughs> so it's only uh, kind of in being not forced, but you know, like uh, moved in that direction that your exactly. passion for sound came about. Definitely, yeah. I it was when I first did one of the projects that I realized how detailed it was and how subtle the effect on the films was, but still almost like a subconscious effect on how we perceive the films, and that was really interesting to me. And I did have a musical background in a way I studied piano and maybe somehow that had some influence as well so yeah it was a bit initially forced but then obviously it became kind of a passion yeah and when you say you're in sound like that still to me conjures up so many roles like you know in when the sound credits come up on a film like there are lots of people still involved did you have a, a sharper sense of what role you wanted to go into you know what you might specialize in within specializing in sound no not at all not not uh, during film school uh, especially because the course 
even though we did specialize in one of the subjects, it was still quite general. So I would do everything in sound, recording, editing, and even the mix was a bit rough. It wasn't really done in a very high the level. It was quite all just general in a way. So when I was in uh, at film school, I actually thought I wanted to do recording as a career. And it was really interesting to hear things with that new perspective just hearing for the first time the world around you through a microphone it's kind of mind-blowing because suddenly you hear everything with a lot of a lot of detail and things that you didn't really notice so initially actually that was something that I was really interested in and then just later on when I started to work after film school I realized now actually sound design is what I want to do and that's what I want to develop So what jobs were you doing after film school that provided that realisation? So after film school, I was a bit afraid to take the risk to do film, especially in Portugal. The industry can be a bit difficult to get into and there's not a lot of films happening there. I think now it's quite different. It's kind of a lot more projects are being done nowadays, but at the time it felt like quite scary to take that route so I ended up going to an advertisement company that did a lot of commercials institutional films and I worked there for a bit over two years but even though I was the sound person I was doing a bit of everything I was doing motion graphics I was doing photography I was doing a bit of whatever was needed for a certain project and it was during those two years I was like I I want to really do just sounds and focus on that and develop my craft. And what does like focusing look like? You know, are you saying to people when you come on board a project, like I only want to do sound design, how do you start to establish yourself as only doing that role when you've kind of been doing a lot of different things? To be honest, I didn't have that confidence or perception before doing my uh, sound design in my it was a long process. I, I remember after working in that company, which was a great learning experience in a, a lot of different ways, just yeah, having a job for the first time, keeping on schedule, budgeting, all of those things. But in terms of having the confidence to say, I'm a sound designer and that's what I want to do. It just That was way later, mm-hmm. just after I graduated from NFTS. Yeah, so that was where you did your MA. A lot of obviously people go there. It's very prestigious. Um, I think probably the most prestigious film school in the UK. Um, What was your experience there like? What kind of things are you learning, you know, to ready you for the industry? Personally, NFTS was an amazing experience. And it was a very intense experience. And now looking back, it almost feels like a fever dream. (laughs) And it's just, it's like a very specific atmosphere and also maybe because it's uh, in Beaconsfield, which is like a small town, there's nothing much around to do. So it was two years where I was just focused on whatever is, was related to the school and sound and films. And it was just really challenging in the best way possible. But there's so many different people there and courses there. So I ended up working animation projects, documentary, natural history, mm. games, uh, fiction. So it's just a very vast type of project and also points of view and different ways of doing things. Mm. So to me, it was just really exciting to be able to try different projects, make a lot of mistakes or hear other people's criticisms and opinions. And that's something that I also learned 
while being there, just taking those in and making the best out of them and just filter out what matters to me. And it's just like, that was one of the biggest learning curves there as well. It's just learning that my own crafts, it doesn't mean if people question it, it's actually a really good thing to discuss and to review. So yeah, and also at FDS was great because of the facilities and the equipment and the people you meet. And besides the school projects, I was doing outside projects, helping ex-graduates, doing as much work as I could while I had the chance to use their facilities as well. So I was having very little sleep. I would barely go home. I was just doing sound all the time. And presumably it sets you up with quite a healthy network of people who are then, you know, upon graduating, making short films that you can continue working with. Is that how it happened? And the ball started rolling, you know, quite quickly after school in terms of working regularly? Definitely. There's an NFTS network. And it's just even from years before and after, just you end up meeting each other um, and connecting with each other quite easily uh, after NFTS. After NFTS, it did happen that I was approached by people that had studied with me or knew um, some of the short films I did and contacted me through those films. And it was a huge, huge help to do that transition as well. But the fact that I did some work while I was at NFTS, so it kind of helped to bridge the gap between school and the real world. But it wasn't right away. The first couple of years weren't that easy. And I I had work and it was enough to just about enough to pay the bills and have just the possibility to do sound design exclusively but it was it was quite hard still and the second year was the the pandemic and the lockdown so I still also was affected by that yeah I I started to have short films some commercials and then it just started to grow and grow and after yeah I think for the last two years it's been much more stable and I haven't been worrying about the financial aspect as much as enjoying working on the films and being able to actually choose projects I just feel quite lucky to be able to do that after four years I think it's it's pretty good absolutely and when you talk about it growing and growing like are you doing something specifically to enable that growth like is it just about letting the work speak for itself or are you pushing to try and connect with certain people or like I know you have a website you know what kind of things are you doing to put yourself out there to be honest I think I've been I haven't really actively or consciously pursued people or contacted people it just happens naturally obviously there's things like going to festivals and chatting with people but it's just natural to to do so and then you start to just yeah it grows and you start to meet new people and people watch your film and then get back to you as well in that sense I did that but I didn't really actively email people or production companies yet it's more I guess relationship first than it is like yes it's professional baiting (laughs) exactly yeah but I think it's it's something that I've been thinking to do in terms of also stepping up the the type of projects that I work on and also just working with people that I'm really honestly interested to work with Mm -hmm. which I haven't come across yet in my daily life and is the ambition or the goal to like 
step into features at some point soon. I know obviously you have this like wealth of experience in the short space. In your career, do you get a sense of, okay, I have to do this many shorts or I have to, you know, work in this space for a certain amount of years and then I'll be ready or do you feel ready now? I've been working on on features in the last couple of years. I think the um, structure of the features, I would love to progress into bigger budgets and wider teams to so I can collaborate with a bigger team and I'm able to also just have a different process because I have the budget I can focus just on that film without having to do other things in between so yeah this year I've worked on a few features especially documentaries that were really really interesting as well in in the sense that I was able to sit down for two months and just work on those films which is a completely different mind set than having to do four or five short films in a month. So recently I worked on this film called The Cathedral by Denis Dobrovoda, and it's a documentary about uh, Justo Gallego, who built a cathedral by himself near Madrid for 60 years. And it was really interesting because the film has footage from a lot of different eras. It's just, it goes, it shows his life during those 60 years so it starts in the 60s and 70s 80s and there's just like a lot of different footage and it all felt quite disconnected and the sound and the music had to do a lot of work to make the whole thing feel like his world and obviously he's quite spiritual and this space is really sacred to him it's his whole life so we wanted to also create a soundscape that reflected that connection of him between him and this cathedral. So it was really interesting. And I worked with this composer called Tom Fitzsimmons, who also was at the MFTS with me. And we've collaborated a few times before. So it just felt very organic. Um, And it was quite music heavy, but there was still a lot of space for sound to work together with the music. It was just really interesting. But definitely something that that is my goal now is to to move into fiction features that allow me to really expand also my my skills and my points of view. I feel like I've I I love working on, on experimental films and documentaries, but I feel like I need a really, really big challenge now <laughs> to to push myself into a different direction. Watch this space. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're starting to talk about the craft as well, like, you know, the idea of creating a soundscape and immersing us in like the world or a perspective of a character. So I'd love to talk to you about how you define the role of a sound designer. You know, what is it you're doing, what you brought on to do when you're, uh, when you board a project? I think it really depends on the project, the structure, the time I have, and also just the scripts, because sometimes I read the scripts and it's really clear to me what I can bring to the film and also some directors write with sounds in their heads when they're writing the story the sound has already a very clear role but other times there is no mention to sounds or they don't really think in a oral way so I kind of have to find a way to bring in something that is interesting to me mm. in terms of sound and uh, creatively so I think to me, being a sound designer is being responsible of the sound world, but also bringing something of the character that visually is impossible to bring to the audience. And not every story 
allows you to do that. But I, the films I like to work on, especially speaking of fiction films, are films where the sound connects the audience with the character in a very particular way. And I've been lucky to work on a few short films that had that really present. And also just having a collaboration with the director, to me, that's really important as a sound designer is keeping uh, my ears and mind open to somebody else's perspective. And uh, a lot of the times it's hard for directors to express themselves about sounds. And it, and I get it. It's also hard for me sometimes because it is much more abstract than other elements. And mm-hmm. so I think it's also a role that allows you to try and understand the other person's mind and perception of sound. Because even the way we perceive sound is very subjective. You will never know how the other person is hearing things around. You can be in the same space and notice a sound that nobody else will notice. I'd like to unpack that collaboration with the director a little bit more, just because you you hit on that topic of, I guess, the limits of language when it comes to describing sound. And whereas with cinematography or production design, you can put together a visual treatment with sound. Are you putting together like a package of sounds that you think it might sound like? How are you getting into the bones of the script and figuring out what it can sound like and making sure that you're on the same page, that you are going to be hearing the same things? There are directors that send me references, sound references, but almost... Every time it's a scene of a film and it's already a concept that works for that film, which I I understand is the same as sending like a print screen uh, for uh, a visual reference. But I personally, I really love when I'm sent sounds, even if it's like an iPhone recording of something that they heard on the street or a voice or a really strong wind and I, I that gives me more than a scene because a scene is already a reference to a language that has already been established for another film and I like when we're open to just create something from scratch without expecting to sound like a Lynch film or something. Again, it depends on how the director likes to approach and writes the story. But if I'm not sent a specific reference for sounds, I do a lot of the times send some sounds that I think could be used for the story or made me connect with the story, reminded me of the something in the script. And then we can go from there. And sometimes it's just something just really simple, like one particular sound that I think could be a pattern or could represent the character's mental state. And then we start the conversation from there. And do you have a library of sounds that you're kind of uh, resorting to or pulling things from? Or is it about, as you say, sort of starting from scratch with each project and creating something that's totally unique for that film? Uh, A bit of both. I I do have a library and I think a lot of film post-production people relate to having to be really organized and being good at naming files because once you've been working on films for a, a few years, you just accumulate so many files and different sounds. And some of them I go back a lot uh, some winds and some atmospheres that I, I go back to a lot as a reference and send to people or use in my projects but there are also libraries that I've bought or somebody sent to me so there's just a lot a lot of files and I do organize them in a specific way so that I can reuse them and I'm not creating everything from scratch every time especially if there's a tight deadline or we have very little budget and I have to do it as quick as possible so not all the time but 
there's always a base of sounds that I keep reusing or use a lot of the times. And then there's elements that I record for that particular project. If it's not that obvious, I have to experiment and record different things to get there. I suppose it's the alchemy that makes it unique as well. Like you might have the bass sounds, as you say, that apply across a number of projects, but you're recording then something that changes it once you add it into the mix. And and I love the idea of field recording, like and just going out and finding sounds. Like how how do you know where to go? So like if you've got a specific <laughs> idea in your head, like how are you thinking, okay, that's where I'm gonna capture it, or you know, this is the time of day that it's gonna sound like the best. How do you go about figuring that out? <laughs> I always have the the sound recorded with me and it's the same space can sound very different as you said depending on the time of the day but also there's the geographic aspect of sounds and obviously if you're working on a project that is set in a specific place or country sometimes it's a challenge to get that world right especially I remember last year I worked on a short film called Baba which was set in uh, Libya and it was shot in Manchester so it was all about creating a sound world that made sense with the story and the characters and it was quite challenging also because there's a specific accent and there's not a lot of recordings from there there were a lot from Egypt or other countries where the language is the same but the accent is different so mm-hmm. it's just those little details that are really important to nail because maybe not a lot of people will get that it's not sounding right but if one person or two don't feel mm-hmm. like it's right it's it's not ideal to have that. I think that's interesting. And I'd love to touch on whether there are any genres or eras that you love working in that you feel like they get a particularly creative or experimental approach to sound where you feel like you can really go at it and have some fun with what you're creating. I try to keep it really diverse in the projects I choose. I've been enjoying a lot working in actually more like installation and experimental films that are not necessarily narrative because. I love working in narrative films, but you are in a way, you can't escape from certain elements and obviously the dialogues, but also the realism and being very clear of, again, the geography. All of that needs to be in a certain way. I I can't experiment too much in certain elements. And just working in installation, especially in some projects where I'm just given a clean slate and I can do almost whatever I want in a way Mm. and that's been really refreshing and also just doing those projects open my mind and take me to a different place that I can use in the other projects that are a bit more narrative Mm. uh, or structured yeah I've been enjoying that because also they're much more recording based in a way uh, because they don't I don't have any sounds sometimes I just have a voiceover or something and then from there I can create something and I also use a lot of musical elements as well that's something I've been exploring in those projects being a bit more musical and tonal and rhythmical and those are things that I can bring to other projects afterwards I'd love to talk specifically about a couple of projects that I've seen and just it'd be interesting to kind of hear how you went about creating the sound design for it. So um, The Pregnant Ground, I, I believe it came out of NFTS, I think. Uh, it does, yeah. Halu's graduation film. Um, and it, it has really surreal elements about the story of kind of loss and grief that this mother is experiencing. And I'm wondering whether with something like that, you approach it looking to heighten the sound design to sort of match that surrealism or whether it's about grounding the sound design to sort of like, immerse you in the the reality of the 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 emotion and what that character is going through you know how how do you go about yeah creating that world 
Yeah, it was an NFTS project. It was my fiction grad film. And I loved working with Lulu and on that film. Uh, she's one of those directors that writes with sounds. I could, yeah, we were discussing the sound world from when she was still developing the scripts or finishing uh, the script before shooting. And obviously being a film school project, it gives you the chance to be much more involved than maybe in a project in uh, the real world. So I, I did go to one of the shooting days, all of that. So I, I was involved from an early stage, which was really great. And as you said, there's the sound is grounded in the real world a lot, but what we were trying to explore uh, was using those natural sounds that belong to the real world in a more subjective and psychological way. So the construction sounds, the water sounds, the baby sounds, all of those exist in the real world of the film. But then we, also the fan, but then we reuse them uh, throughout the film, almost like a pattern that turns out to be much more psychological and we just use the same sounds but in different ways and manipulated them so that they would become not realistic but always using yeah that's something I really enjoy doing is using organic sounds and sounds that belong to the real world of the film but then in different ways becomes yeah subjective yeah yeah like I guess amplifying them or yeah replaying them in a way so it's like they're, they're exactly someone's head in like a loop or something exactly and then another film that I loved um that you worked on is called Run by Ruth Greenberg um I think that's a bit more of a recent one it's yeah. on short of the week as well if anyone wants to watch that but sound plays such an important part of that film again just for context it's about a runner who goes out on a run and sort of starts to suspect that there's a presence behind her and I don't want to spoil it too much but she's got like headphones in so it's sort of like you're very much in her ear or like again in her psychological space as she's like going through that so how did you and Ruth again develop that aural language to kind of create that journey? Again Ruth is also a director that writes with sound and thinks about sound a lot and it's very specific and it's and it, it was a great process especially because it was it was during lockdown, most of the of the post-production. So we had a lot of time in, in our hands. And we spent weeks and weeks. We had a, a lot of sessions mm. to get to the final sounds. And it's, again, using natural sounds, like a lot of elements that we pushed towards the end of the film uh, were there from the beginning, but we then just transformed them into something else. So the breathing, the the pace of the footsteps the and also the music all of those elements were used in different ways th throughout the film to represent the real world versus uh, what was going through the main character's head while going through what happens during the film I'm not going to reveal it either I think it was just a process of trying a lot of different things experimenting uh, and we started by having a lot of sounds that weren't part of the real world they were just saying this is dramatic this is tense so it was a lot about after doing that extreme taking out a lot of the sounds and creating space and silence so that we would connect with the character and just feel what it is to be in such a white space and feel so exposed and yeah even in the mix a lot of the thing those kind of things we realized during the mix was just muting things and creating quiet spaces and just a, a dynamic mix as well yeah I really enjoyed working on that film <laughs>
And finally, I want to pull on that thread of like connecting with a character or, or different characters um, in relation to the film Good Thanks You, which was Molly Manning Walker's short. And I think that's interesting because the protagonist is kind of someone who has something happen to her and, and kind of loses her voice and is kind of unable to, to speak about what's happened to her. And I'm wondering then if sound plays an even more important role when you don't have dialogue and whether you're also thinking about creating different textures or, or rhythms for different characters in that that moment like how those two things interplay within a scene yeah the, the molly's film was really interesting because obviously visually there's a very very strong language as well that it feels very organic and raw even though it's obviously very precise but they're just a rawness in the camera work in that film and the, it w- it made the sound work easier in some ways but also in other ways we didn't want to just mimic what the camera was doing there's that scene where the camera spins around the main character for example when she's being interrogated by the different characters of police the doctor and that scene for example I think was the one of the most challenging in terms of sound because it is very rhythmical the way it's edited and shot and we were trying to create a sound pattern as well with the music and uh, me and Joe the composer tried to really create something that was fluid and felt just like one unit sound and music and we used the sound the lines and the just the rhythmical aspect there's like a clock there's I think there's like uh, just some banging or metal there was some kind of texture that was adding this rhythmical aspect and again we did a lot a lot and we added it was (laughs) a lot of elements creating that rhythm rhythmical sound and then we took back some of them Mm-hmm. And recreated something that really, it feels like a pulse and it connects us to the main character in a way that I think ended up being really effective. And it's that so the main character speaks very little throughout the film. And the film is actually quite silent uh, overall. Just that scene was meant to be like the central piece where the sound reflects her building up her frustration until it's kind of the bubble pops and she finally speaks. So it was a lot uh, about quiet moments and atmospheres as well, subtle elements uh, and follies and textures where we can connect with her, even though she doesn't speak. We wanted her to feel physically present so that we would always have our eyes on her and feel connected to her. And I, I realise I've presented you with a lot of my favourite projects that you've worked on, but I'm wondering if there's anything you've created or, or a project you've worked on that you found particularly rewarding or memorable or what you feel like is a showcase for your best work. It's hard to choose one project, especially because they're all so different and I like them in different ways. But one that I worked on recently was called Self Portrait. It's a featured documentary that premiered this year at Southwest Festival. It's by this director, Joel Wallinga, who's Canadian director. And it was really challenging and interesting because basically the film is all made with CCTV footage that the director collected uh, for five years. And there was no sync sounds uh, on those cameras. So there was no sounds at all. And the goal was to create a very immersive experience it's I think it was 70 minutes long so we we kind of created it's different it's all around the world and you travel through these different places and 
we just created a lot of different atmospheres and also rhythm between the shots and the way she edited it. And it was just really fun because you would just create anything and make the audience believe that this space is sound this way. And we actually went to the premiere and people didn't suspect at all that this was the same sound and just connected a lot and thought it was really immersive, which was our main goal. And it was just a very different process. It felt almost like animation in a way because we were just creating everything from scratch. Amazing. And I'm wondering, you know, it might be wrong, my impression of it, but it can sometimes seem like a lonely job in, you know, you're obviously in in collaboration with directors or uh, composers, but when you're immersed in a project, it's kind of just you and the sounds. I'm wondering if there's like a network or a place that you go to ask questions or to like feel the support of other people working in your profession. Definitely. Yeah, that's something I've struggled with. Definitely. Being in post-production, it is sometimes quite isolating and both in a personal level, but also in a creative level. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot, just a a way to connect with other sound designers. Uh, And that's something I really enjoyed about NFTS. It was just like being able to sit down with other sound designers and other directors, whatever. And just whenever I wanted, I could discuss an idea or ask something. And maybe there are places where that is easily accessible, but I haven't really found this in the real world there's a lot of online platforms that I use there's uh, girls in film and ladies in film and television which I use all the time and actually the beginning when I started to work in film that was a great way to connect with people and I got a lot of projects through those platforms but I do miss physical space to do that and I do work in a studio a st- uh, artist studio a place and that helped me a lot just opening because there's a lot of different artists painters and sculptures and that that really helped me to connect also with other type of people but I do miss connecting with other sound designers and I haven't really found that place to be honest yeah just somewhere you can talk shop I guess I think it was interesting that what you said it's sort of that isolation can be physical but I guess it can also be creative and I'm wondering how you stay energized or excited about what you're doing you know you you might well be working on a really great story and a great project but some days whatever like it's just not connecting how do you incentivize yourself in those moments I think again being with other filmmakers or people that work in film just having conversations about film has helped me a lot to disconnect from work but it's still film related <laughs> it's, it's somehow so I've been trying to just read a lot going to exhibitions going to theater plays just trying to feed uh, myself with ideas that don't come directly from film and film concepts and film language uh, and that actually has helped me a lot to feel motivated to explore different ways of doing things and even just the themes we we explore in film and stories sometimes it it gets a bit repetitive in some ways and then it's interesting to go to an exhibition and, and suddenly see that there's other things that we could explore or different perspectives on the same topics and that's something that definitely keeps me motivated to see that there's still a lot of things that I can do in different projects and different people I can collaborate with yeah for sure yeah sometimes yeah getting just getting outside of what you do as you say mm. theater and seeing how other things are done that then just gets those juices flowing and obviously we've, we've talked about it quite a lot as an art form the fact that you work in an artist studio and 
you know, the kinds of conversations you're having. But I'm very aware it is also a job that requires a certain technical level of knowledge. And I'm also wondering how you go about staying kind of up to date or on trend with maybe any technical changes that are happening in the industry or just like making sure that your skill set is at the industry standard. Like, is that something that you're having to like think about or refresh like a few years after graduation? Yeah, definitely. I I think it comes naturally in a way, just talking with other people that work uh, in the sound industry. And a lot of the times just a plugin is mentioned or a new update. And then I go and I check it. And it's just a really great way to also hear about different ways of doing the same thing, because sometimes you just keep doing things in your own way. And then you realize there's a much easier way. Uh, to do the same thing so definitely talking with other people there's as well as some Facebook groups just for sound designers and sound mixers that that I use and just collaborating with other people some of the feature films that I worked on I was able to have some other people working with me and the sound team and it's like for example getting a session back from somebody that I'm working with and suddenly I see that they organize the session in a different way that I do of and then you can also just uh, <laughs> take notes <laughs> and maybe next time use the same methods. But it's just, it just happens naturally or working in, in a studio and seeing the plugins they have. But I definitely try to also just watch tutorials and keep updated. And then we, we did touch on it briefly, but I would love to know if there's something that you do consider to be like the biggest learning curve of your career so far or something that you would maybe tell your younger self about the job that you do to prepare you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's related more besides the, the the creative and the technical aspect that comes with working in the film industry and sound post. I think it's just the personal journey of being confident in myself and just being opinionated and not taking crit- criticism too hard. And that's something that I'm still working on sometimes. And I think it's something I will keep working on. But I d- definitely feel a big difference from a few years ago to now. And that comes with experience as well. But also because I think working in arts and in film, sometimes a lot of your self-worth comes from what you do and sometimes sound design is what gives me some kind of value and it's not just about film as well I think that's what I've learned it's just like film is something that I really love doing and it's definitely what I'm passionate about but also it's not everything so I've had to learn the hard way to disconnect with it and that's why I was also saying that it's important to try and go to exhibitions and whatever it's something that is not just focused on film because I definitely took it a bit too far at certain points but also something that I'm still <laughs> working on <laughs> yeah it's so difficult isn't it though because it's more it's so much more of the job I think everyone that works in the film industry like well, most people I would say have come here you know because it's a passion and because they like they live and breathe and love film but then yeah you're so so right it's so hard to like disconnect from that and and disconnect as you say you're like your self-worth when it's entangled with uh, yeah exactly your, how much you love it it's, and finally, I'd love to know if there's a film by a woman director uh, that you'd like to recommend today, um, or, you know, if it's a male director, but a woman sound designer that maybe you find inspiring. Again, hard to choose one particular one. But in terms of sound designer, I actually went recently to this uh, exhibition at the Barbican. It's, I think it's called 
our time on Earth. There's different installations there, and there was one that had a sound kind of exper- interactive experience, and the sound designer is called uh, Ivana Dama. I think she's Serbian, but she lives in the States. And it was really interesting because the way she uses it, I think she calls herself sound architectural artist. And it's the way sound interacts with space and scale. Uh, So visually, it was like microscopic and uh, aquatic animals and then the sound was just really wide around the room and you could interact with it physically so depending on where you were uh, standing on the room the different sounds would come from different places and all her work is about that physical interaction with sound and if we could control sounds through for example finger movements or eye movements and it's just really interesting and different from the way we connect with sound in film which is we're sitting in the same space Mm. through those 90 minutes or two hours and there you could just move around and connect with it in a different way in terms of films i love the film on body and soul i think it's called and that that director she's hungarian ildilko uh and she yes and she came to nfts uh to present it when i was there and she was just so great and she talked about uh, sound a lot (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i just love that film yeah yeah, I adore that film. Ah, oh, yeah, so <laughs> so visceral and and weird and beguiling. Um, Inesh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's thank been you. such a pleasure chatting with you today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Best Girl Grip. If you liked what you heard, please do rate, review and subscribe, spread the good word, etc. I'm on Instagram at Best Girl Grip for pod related news. If you want to listen to more episodes like this, I recommend digging out my interview with sound designer Anna Burtmark. In the meantime, have a great week and I will be back, I promise, next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Mm-hmm.